0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at champacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Boy, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Love Talk
0: Radio. <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and welcome uh, to Blog Talk Radio and Small Business IT Radio for another Friday here. My name is Stuart Crawford, and like every other Friday, we're broadcasting uh, throughout the world here on Blog Talk Radio. I highly recommend them as a service. If you want to get on and start your own uh, podcast, your own webcast, you can go to blogtalkradio.com today and sign up for a free account. And uh, that's all it takes get on there, You know, get the confirmation email, and you're broadcasting. I know a lot of SMB IT professionals and consultants are... Are using Blog Talk Radio now as a way to reach their customers and you know get their voice out there so they uh, you know people in the market know what you're up to. So that's a free service. You can go on uh, BlogTalkRadio.com today and sign up. Small Business IT Radio is a show uh, dedicated to uh, success in the small business IT community, helping professionals and consultants out there get the information that they need to make uh, good business decisions. You know, help out with some things that are they're struggling with. Topics range from everything from you know, some technical stuff right through business, and, you know, we even touch into some of those things that business owners, we forget to and neglect, you know, our, what we're doing professionally ourselves, and, and how it affects our person, and the things that we do, per, uh, you know, within our families and all that stuff. So we have a wide range of topics. If you go to smallbusinessitradio.com today, you can uh, see all of our past shows, and those uh, shows that are scheduled. We have a wonderful program uh, set aside for today. I've got... Uh, some key folks inside of Microsoft Canada joining us today to talk about Software Plus Services. And since uh, the, the launch, I would even say the, the first bit of information we got on Software Plus Services when we were in Denver at the Worldwide Partner Conference, it's been one of those things that, you know, as an IT professional, hey, how do I make money doing this? How's it going to impact my business? And hopefully we'll uh, talk about some of those things today uh, on the program. Uh, we have uh, Ryan Storgart from... Microsoft Canada, out of the Vancouver, out of the Vancouver office, joining us. Ryan, good morning to you on the West Coast. I'm. I hope it's as sunny in Vancouver as it is here in Calgary today.
2: Good morning, Stuart. It's actually overcast and rainy. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so a typical
0: Vancouver uh, winter or fall day, then.
2: Yeah, exactly. Usually stays this way until about oh April May.
0: <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what your role at Microsoft Canada is, and you know the. And what you do on a day-to-day basis to, uh, you know, engage with partners or even just customers.
2: Sure, my role is uh, chief software plus services officer for Microsoft Canada, and as you mentioned, I'm actually based out of, out of Vancouver and actually spend quite a bit of my time. Um, down working with uh, some folks on the product teams uh, in Redmond and also out across Canada and a lot of of time in Toronto. Um, Really dealing um, all up from um, Software Plus Services is our strategy for the next generation of computing with Microsoft. So in my role, I end up working with uh, product teams on technical and business aspects, the partner teams, because they're, they're impacted by this, Sales and marketing folks, and then also talking to people uh, externally, just about what we're doing with software plus services. And you know, um, when you when you imagine uh, this this new services world, you know, things are things are different in the sense that. We're not just talking about um, on-premises, and we're not just talking about on-premises and and even hosted options. We're now talking about, quote, the the cloud, and our software plus services strategy um, embraces all of that. And uh, you you can have some really interesting conversations with with customers and and partners around um, this power of choice is kind of the the, the all-up concept that we end up up speaking to, which is... um, when you dig into a lot of scenarios people will find that maybe because they want some control or or, or flexibility that they want to choose a traditional on-premise solution other times they find that, you know, they're, they're spending too much time, energy, and resources managing an infrastructure, so, uh, but they still need some of the uh, flexibility and control, so a hosted option through a, through a Microsoft partner would be a great option. And then what we're starting to get into now um, is, and we'll talk more about it today, is this notion of, of the cloud, and there's really pros and cons to each, to each one of them, and uh, like I said, it's, it's, uh, I think we can talk a lot about today about what some of those kind of key factors are.
0: Great, and thanks for that. You know, very high-level review, Ryan. It was, it was wonderful just to, you know, get a picture of where we're at today. And we also have Rob Kent, who's uh, one of the partner account managers out of the the Toronto office for Microsoft. You know, Rob joins us uh, this morning uh, or afternoon for you, for you, Rob. How are things going with you these days?
1: Oh, things are good. Thanks for having me on, sir.
0: Awesome. Tell us a little about yourself. What your role at Microsoft Canada is? and
1: sure. uh,
0: You know, just general overview of who you are.
1: Yeah, I'm. Um as you mentioned, I'm a partner account manager with Microsoft Canada. I focus specifically on our uh, Software Plus Services partner channel. So I work with um, hosters, uh, ISV, systems integrators, anyone who's, who's building out um, some sort of Software Plus Services practice um, based on our, our technology and our platform.
0: Great. So and you, and you and I have talked uh, for many hours on uh, you know the benefits in the channel, uh, some of the challenges we're facing with partners. And I think that's how Ryan and I hooked up was on a webcast back in September. So you brought everybody's all brought together here, so let's, let's just dig right in. Ryan, you talked about, you know, the three things that, you know, Kevin Turner mentioned uh, last uh, July when we were in all gathered in the, in the Toyota Center at, uh, in Houston. You know, having the option for, for end customers to, provi- you know, choose, you know, an on-premise solution, a mixture of both, and, you know, going totally into the cloud just give about like a whole overview of the cloud. Where do you see it today, and what's what does it look like in you know even one year to five years out? You know, is is there a big swing coming uh, that we should be prepared for as uh, IT professionals?
2: Yeah, you know, it's definitely the the cloud is is a really really hot topic. Kind of like if you go back a, a few years or the last couple of years, um, software as a service or SaaS was was. And still is a, a huge topic, and Web 2.0. And if you kind of go back even further, um, SOA was was a, a, a big topic, and, and really a lot of them are really just speaking to this notion of, of services and um, this ability to build uh, composite applications and and build relationships and uh, uh, with business partners or. Stitching applications applications together, and the cloud is is the the latest kind of evolution of this. And and some of the things that that people that I that we speak to about the cloud like about that model is this idea of kind of a, a consumption based model for for how you're going to pay for these services in the cloud. So if you think of what is the cloud, it's it's things like. Computation in the cloud or storage in the in the cloud, and the ability to kind of have this uh, infinite scalability so that um, as you say you 're going to be the next the next facebook let's say as you could look to the cloud and say, Wow, that kind of gives me a good model in the sense that i don 't have to build out a ton of infrastructure I could actually um, Leverage the cloud for that, and I'll pay for that based on my usage, and I never have to worry about scaling. I don't have to worry about managing any of that. I know I'm never going to run out of disk space or anything. And it kind of comes back to um, uh, what you really want to be focused on in, in pretty much everyone's business, which is, you know, how do I actually drive my business forward as opposed to you know managing the infrastructure under underneath that. Um, that being said, uh, there's there's like with anything, there, there's those, these pros and cons, right? So you get this infinite scale, and you get this kind of consumption model I talked about um, from a pricing perspective. But you, you know, you, you're sacrificing a lot of the, the control and the, and the flexibility that you you might have had uh, when you compare it to, say, an on-premise solution or something you might have got through through a hosted solution.
0: And Rob, when you're talking with uh, channel partners or you know Microsoft partners today, is there a little bit of a hesitance uh, there and their side to totally embrace the cloud as a, you know the future of computing here.
1: Well, we see a couple of different things. I, um, I don't know if we if you'd call it hesitancy or or um, lack of understanding of how to proceed. Um, most of my partners, almost every partner that that I've engaged with, is uh, is very eager to move forward and, and do something. They understand that they need to evolve their business and. And um, this new concept of cloud comp- computing and software plus services is definitely the direction that they need to go. Um, but there's no question that a lot of them um, are, are a little unsure of how to proceed and, and what is the uh, what is the best way to um, to include that into their business. Because we're not talking about just technology. A lot of them are talking about having to to change their business model.
0: So you know that makes a lot of sense to me as you know as a partner the it's evolution. We have to look at new ways of going to markets. If we don't, we just, you know we, we laugh around our office sometimes. If you know if we could stay on NT4 and Windows 95, we you know we just we would have found customers, and we, but they wouldn't evolve. There would no innovation there. So this is just that next step that I see. Now, Ryan, is there any numbers? Like you know, have you heard any IDC or Gartner type numbers on what this market looks like uh, in the IT channel uh, when, when you talk about software plus services or cloud computing? That you can share with yeah,
2: them. yeah. You know, I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't have the have the stats that I can I can quote from. But uh, yeah, the, I mean, there's most of the analysts um, are are taking a stab at uh, trying to to quantify what the opportunity looks like from a basically from a services perspective or what everyone's kind of calling the the cloud. And what what I've found actually is before you start digging into the cloud is even getting a common understanding of of what you perceive the cloud to be is is a good starting point because um, what I'm noticing quite often what they're doing is when they talk about cloud, they're also actually rolling in um, software as a service as, as part of that, right? So I was speaking to um, the the notion of the cloud of being able to um, get compute uh, capability and storage capability and running your services and so on. But um, one of the things people are doing, like I said, is also bundling in um, software as a service as part of just thing, things in the cloud. And, and that's a good point to make is that would be things like in our world with, with Microsoft is uh, – A couple weeks ago at our Worldwide Developer Conference, we announced Windows Azure, and we can talk about that more in a second. But that was very much uh, the, um, think of it as we're taking the Windows platform and extending that to the cloud, so you have another choice of where you could build services, deploy your applications, um, and get that computation and storage and management that I was talking about. The other um, Microsoft example that you'd have that's more from a software as a service perspective would be our Microsoft Online um, suite of products so that would be things like exchange online and SharePoint online and uh, OCS online and so on right so um, that's what I'm seeing is, is, is quite a few of the analysts now are kind of just speaking um, all up towards the opportunity the cloud and, and it's kind of all encompassing all of that but absolutely uh, huge growth there and you know when you look at it from a Microsoft perspective people would ask me you know what this software plus services strategy like you know help me help me understand what what you guys are doing there and the best way that I described it was when you look at these these industry trends and especially these services ones we were talking about things like software as a services and SOA and web 2.0 and so on um, you know Microsoft needs to embrace all of those things and and really the software plus services strategy is about we still need to deliver you know, best-in-class software for, for on-premise that gives you the most flexibility and control. We still, we, you know, we're a platform company, so we need to make sure that we have a great platform that our partner channel can, can build on to deliver those solutions I talked about earlier where someone doesn't perhaps want it completely in the cloud. They, they do need some verticalization, let's say, or some flexibility to work with a hoster to get a, a more customized solution, but they don't want to run the infrastructure themselves. And then finally, of course, we need to show that we're, we're deeply investing in, in this services world so that people that, don't, uh, or people that want to kind of consume exchange, let's say, in a cloud-based model from Microsoft, they can do that, right? So that's what the Software Plus Services strategy is all about, is, is em- deeply embracing all of that. You can pick whichever one you want. And then I guess the higher level point, too, would be we see an opportunity Especially based on on some of the work that I do with with customers and partners, where it 's not even this either or world like you completely move everything to the cloud or host it or on premise, you probably would find as as you dig into things there's certain um, workloads or certain situations that that are good for each one of them let 's say you might find you want to have your email out in the cloud, but you might have a CRM application that you want through uh, a verticalized experience through a hoster and that's where Microsoft has some real differentiation is, again, we have this common um, development platform that extends across all of, all of those things, right? And that's where, where you can get a differentiated look at it.
0: Well, I, I see a number of different things here, Ryan, about you know the cloud. And you know when we're talking about the cloud, I mean, I remember when I was at a, an ISV partner oh, 10 years ago, I went to a terminal server class, and you know, I was a techie back then. And I brought this. I, this one, I kind of first had my first inclination that I should be in field of marketing. But I went to uh, this ter- terminal server class and I learned all about terminal services. And I came back that day and I said to my uh, supervisor, "You know, there's an opportunity here that we can take terminal server and put our apps on it, and send and instead of trying to develop web apps, have our clients connect to terminal server and run our apps in our terminal server environment." I mean, to me, that was the first generation of you know taking applications you uh, know kind of like that. A when I mean, we started with the ASP model way back about 10 mm-hmm. years ago, but now you know taking the idea of taking terminal server and you know enhancing it with maybe like another Microsoft partner f- uh, solution from Citrix, and really bundling that. So that was 10 years ago. We've totally evolved to we got services like we're on right now. You know, Blog Talk Radio, which is a total web application. There's nothing to install on your machine. You just go into a website, you log in, and the service is there. Uh, and I'm just trying to remember where I was going with it. <laughs> That's totally well, you know, I
2: think, I think you raise an interesting point, yeah. actually. I just had a conversation the other day around this is, um, again, it's it's helpful sometimes to take a step back and say, well, okay, we're going to have this conversation with the cloud, and, and let's actually zero in on a little bit more on kind of um, what, what the person's meaning with the cloud. Like I said, sometimes they're meaning software as a service. Other times they're meaning kind of utility computing, grid computing, and all those things. Um, but it was interesting because actually what we ended up, identifying was they really were were attracted to the idea of just I don't want to have to um, manage the the deployment of all this software and I mean terminal services that you were just talking to Stuart is is a good example of that but we ended up having this interesting conversation that really wasn't even about the cloud then as we ended up talking about um, some of the new virtualization uh, technologies that we have at Microsoft where it's not just virtualizing a a, a desk, a complete image Um, we can actually virtualize an an application now so you can have um, an application on my desktop that for all intents and purposes, from my perspective, runs on my machine, but in actuality, it's actually um, being deployed kind of in this almost like uh, uh, terminal server mode, but it's specific to the application. So even when you start digging into to virtualization, it's a, it's a really interesting conversation. And again, I always find it's helpful to say like, Okay, what's what's actually driving the interest to the cloud, and then I think you have a conversation around what what those those are. And quite often, I find it's it's the biggest thing is people just want to um, ease the you know or, or quicken the the time to market and, and re- relieve themselves of some of the burden of, of a lot of management is kind of driving a lot of these these conversations.
0: I mean that you know that's exactly what it is. I mean. I, that's why I see it. You know, things like you know app, yeah, application virtualization is going to be huge. Rob, maybe to bring you back into the conversation here, what are you seeing through some of the, the partners that you manage? Uh, you know, What kind of creative solutions are they bringing to, uh, to market? I mean, I can think of a couple, You know, everything from what we're on here to uh, online disaster recovery. I mean, talking with some friends of mine over the last couple of days uh, about their disaster recovery and disaster avoidance solutions, and it's entirely in the cloud. But what are you guys seeing you know, uh, through your partners that you manage? What kind of creative solutions are out there?
1: Yeah, you know, it's um it's a really fun time to be part of the partner community because over the last uh I'd say 12 to 18 months I've seen um a, a lot of really really creative ideas and a lot of new innovations coming out from them. So, it's um there's there's a whole slew of of new ideas that are um that are coming out now. You know, we've got partners like you say that are doing uh, full disaster recovery, uh, backup disaster recovery remotely. Um which is completely off site for you know in either individual machines or um, full IT infrastructures um, we obviously have uh, partners who are focused on you know, hosted exchange hosted SharePoint a lot of those those typical kind of name brand hosted services that uh, we're all becoming more and more familiar with and we have people who are who are doing um, um, more all encompassing IT services uh, we have you know, t- your typical systems integrator or small business um, you know professional services shop which has moved uh, or evolved their practice from being basically a body shop where they send people on truck rolls to go to go into the, their various customers to take care of their desktops to deploying basically just a thin client machine and all of the infrastructure all of the applications everything sits um, in a hosted uh, in, in a hosting center. Um, in this more of a utility computing model, where um, you know they charge their their customers basically you know per user, per application, per month, um, and we've got you know we've got everything in between. We've got ISVs who have uh, very creative applications, um, and that's probably one of the areas where the most innovation is happening is with our ISVs and um, the types of ways that they're incorporating services into their applications. Um, there's a lot of line of business applications now that uh, you know we we look at the different ERP applications and CRM applications you know salesforce.com is kind of the poster child for you know software as a service but there's there's many many other applications which um uh, ISVs are are slowly evolving from being uh, on premise you know desktop based installations to either full on hosted applications or they leverage aspects of um, of a hosted service um, so that you know to provide more value to uh to the end customer and probably one of the one of the great examples of that is a um, um an isv that we have that uh is partnering with um, um uh, with um gyms uh, different gyms that are throughout North America and they're installing services onto uh, onto the gym equipment uh, so that as a their users can um, set their their uh, set their workout you know um, uh, it will track how much they do um, when they do it it will uh, create a whole bunch of you know, statistical analysis but it will upload it to uh, to a server that's somewhere else um, and consolidate all the information from um, all of the different users in an anonymous way, which provides some really rich data reporting back to uh, the gym, but also it allows those end users to be able to log into their profiles online from home and track in in a lot of detail exactly um, uh, what they're doing in their workout. And it gives them a completely different user experience and something that that is is new and and a lot of value to that, that end user. And that's just one example of the types of new applications and services that we're seeing coming out.
0: I just have to look at my teenager son, who goes to one of the local high schools here in Calgary. His homework is all available out online. Uh, I can log in as a parent and see what his, his progress is. It's remarkable the way this whole online world is coming. And I think, Rob, I think you may kind of mentioned it in, indirectly, is that you know, IT professionals, us guys doing the infrastructure work, I think it's uh, one, of the, you know, one of the goals we should put for 2009 is to really start latching on to these... Hosting providers or these ISV partners to complement the complement the services that we offer. And you know, do you see a lot of um, SI VAR partners latching on to hosting partners now, or even ISVs, to
1: Absolutely. R- you
0: know, give them a well-rounded solution offering?
1: Absolutely, that's probably the biggest trend that we're seeing right now is um, different partners uh, connecting and, and working together to, to build out these services. Um, you know, from an IT small business perspective and, you know, those IT administrators, um, we're, right now the, the buzzword is all productivity. It's all about productivity. It's how do you make your company more productive? How do we make them more efficient with um, and, and make more efficient use of the funding that we have? And very often finding these hosted services is exactly how they do that. Um, one, because they're available in more places than just the person's office. Uh, and two, because we see different companies that are that are partnering together to combine their um, their intellectual property and their expertise to create you know, better, more well-rounded solutions. And uh, IT administrators should definitely be looking to take advantage of that.
0: So there's a huge market opportunity there for us small business IT professionals. I just want to remind everybody who's listening to us online here that you can call in and ask questions if you have a question for either Ryan or Rob or myself at 646-716-8372. And I also open up the chat window at blogtalkradio.com. So if you don't want to get your voice online, you can uh, put a question up in our chat uh, window here. And about software plus service and everything uh, that everything all about software plus services is a great topic, guys. And where we're, we're uh, you know we're doing well here today. Ryan, uh, you know, so we got the three offerings, the three or the three pillars, you know, premise, combination of both, and uh, totally in the cloud. Uh, let's just dig into some of the offerings and you know maybe. And you know in, in introduce some, some new concepts if we if, if I fail to mention any well you mentioned uh, Windows Azure or Azure or whatever you want to pronounce that but that's that's the latest one but let's just put that on the back burner for a few minutes here uh let's talk about you know BPOS or or uh, you know office live fall business to me I get that as you know it's a you know i'm uh, I'm storing data in the cloud through office live fall business I'm not running office in the cloud and then we have BPOS, which is the Business Productivity Suite, to me, I think that's where a lot of the partners today are a little bit of concerned about, you know, how is that going to impact them? You know, when we start taking traditional licensing sales that we would sell Exchange or OCS or SharePoint or whatever, now we're subscribing to that service on the web, and, you know, in, in all fairness to some of the partners is that, you know, we don't even have to be, as partners, we don't even have to be involved in, that, in with that entire process. It, it, the customer could just go do that. They feel that maybe some of that market shares be taken away from them. But me at a high level, let's just explain what it is and what the opportunity to to the partner channel is for that.
2: Yeah, well, I think that the first thing that I'd address right off the bat, which is which is I think the concern, is that um, with BPOS, or what's, what's actually, we love the acronyms, especially at Microsoft, <laughs> BPOS is Bur- Business Productivity Online Suite. So what, when people are talking about BPOS, they're, at a higher level, we're talking about Microsoft Online, right? And, and at a branding level, what we're doing is we have Live, which is a consumer and small business brand. So think of Office Live, for example, or Office Live Small Business. And then um, in the enterprise space, um, or even mid, mid-market space, is we have another brand called Microsoft Online. And, and that's where you'll find Exchange Online and SharePoint Online and uh, OCS Online and so on. And uh, what Stuart was just mentioning when he talked about BPOS is is imagine, um, just like we have a suite of Office products on the desktop, we have a suite of offerings uh, for Microsoft Online. So when someone's talking about BPOS, they're talking about this suite of, I want to buy um, Exchange Online and SharePoint Online and Office Communication Server Online and those types of things. So that's what, just for clarity, that's what, what we're talking about. Um, and, and you raise an interesting point is, Microsoft is super partner partner centric. That's pretty much how our, our business model works, um, and uh, we do get questions questions quite often. Is hey, if Microsoft is offering these, how, what does that mean to me, to me as a partner? But what's interesting is when the customer actually goes to to buy uh, a Microsoft online uh, product, they actually put in a, a who the partner record there is. So even though it's the customer signing up, um, we definitely want to make sure that we have a partner record tied to that because even though you're getting the service from Microsoft, there's, there's still um, a big opportunity um, from a partner perspective to help support the customer and then on top of that, um, what we're finding is although we're, we're, when you look at why someone again would, would choose that kind of a model, this software as a service model is, is kind of what we're talking about here. Is that Let's say that I want to exchange or SharePoint actually a really good example. Someone wants SharePoint Online. What I find in talking to these customers, they're typically doing that again because they they don't want to manage this infrastructure. They kind of want to move from a model of having to do a lot of capital expenditures for um, resources to support um, the infrastructure that, let's say, SharePoint would would run online premises. Um, They actually are looking at this, you know, that'll just kind of be more um, OPEX OPEX costs. And what's driving that, too, is they say, okay, well if I could get some of that um, management and, and infrastructure stuff off my plate, that would free up more resources and budget to really focus on, I, I know I still want SharePoint, but I really want to um, start targeting, you know, Workflow solutions and productivity solutions, and how SharePoint can you know. Let's jump straight to delivering value um, that, that SharePoint can provide. And again, that there's a huge partner opportunity there, right? Is we've just shifted from okay, are you going to spend the first six months of the, of the or however long it takes of the project, um, getting everything set up and setting up the. Um, servers and, and all of that type of stuff to instead of saying, okay, we're not gonna spend the the first bit of the project on that, we're gonna jump straight into um, actually you know analyzing the business workflow and, and how that's gonna be set up in SharePoint and setting up the permissions and all that type of stuff, right?
0: Yeah, I mean I, I, I kinda get that as a you know as a business owner and looking and saying, you know, I want to keep my cost and my IT infrastructure as low as I can, but I don't want that to impact the productivity of my team. So are, are we seeing in Canada, Ryan? I mean, you go down to the states quite a bit too, so you work with the guys very closely in Redmond. Are we seeing bandwidth limitation still impacting, you know, how we roll out services, or is, you know, is bandwidth a thing of the past? We have enough bandwidth now that we can move forward and and go forward confidently with online solutions these days.
2: Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point is uh I wouldn't say bandwidth is the is the issue. What's actually the issue is just um do you even have any bandwidth period based on where you are, right? And and this is the example of um another pillar of of what we're doing around software plus services, which is um we've kind of been focusing on just uh, uh the desktop kind of experience and really, you know, am I gonna get this through kind of a browser or or um on my PC? But, um our strategy is also incorporates kind of quote the uh, the world of devices and the classic example to this would be um, you don't always have uh, access to internet connectivity right you're sometimes you 're on a plane or you 're somewhere downtown or somewhere out um, in the country, and you just you, you just don't have any bandwidth period and it's it's this idea of we want to make sure that with this strategy that we're we're delivering value to you in the context that you happen to be in and, and The Exchange example is a good one, Exchange and Outlook, is someone could choose Exchange, and that could be an on-premises solution, a hosted solution, or it could be Exchange Online, as we already mentioned. Um, And then with that, you might find, hey, if I'm at my PC, chances are I'm probably going to use Outlook. That's what most people happen to do, because it gives me the richest experience, and it gives me the most control over my calendar, and it's quick and fast, and all those wonderful things. Um, If I'm at someone else's house, though, I might... um, fire up a browser, and I go on to Outlook Web Access. And then the other example is um, all of us are carrying around mobile devices, so you know, given the context, yeah, if I have a few minutes, I can check my email on my, on my mobile device. And then finally, one that maybe some people haven't been exposed to is with Exchange, you have the ability to be able to phone into your um, email inbox and have your messages read to you, have your appointments read to you, be able to cancel appointments, and so on. And, and a good contextual example of this is um a lot of places around the world they are Instituting this, you know, you can't be on your on your cell phone like a lot of people are texting and stuff while they're while they're driving and so on. So I was just in California for the in Los Angeles for the Professional Developers Conference, as I was mentioning. It was interesting to me that, um, yeah, it's it's law there now that you can't actually uh, be on your cell phone uh, texting or anything like doing email or anything like that while you're driving, which is a great idea. So you have to be on a Bluetooth Bluetooth device, uh, hands free. That's another good example where, okay, well, someone still has to have their email fixed but they can't actually be be uh, using the device or looking at the device you again you could you could phone in and, and that's given the context of where you happen to be and what device you happen to have in your hand is that we want to make sure that we're delivering value to you there that's another good point
0: I mean and I like I mean I'm, I travel I and mean, you you guys travel probably just as much as I do but you know having that time on the plane for example like flying from Calgary to Toronto or Vancouver Toronto we have like three or four hours of you know time in the air that we can get caught up so Even with Outlook 2007, we have that capability of working in an offline mode, get some connectivity, come back on, and we can resync up with our mailbox. So I get the point. I get SharePoint and I get Exchange Online. Uh, Especially I like Exchange Online from a disaster recovery uh, part, too. I can have my – maybe, Ryan, maybe maybe you can ask me if this this actually works. I can have my Exchange uh, 2007 server on-premise, but I can fail over to the Exchange Online service as a backup just in case – uh, if something happens in my office. Can we fail over easily.
2: That's a you know that's a good question. If if I I don't know um, about that exact scenario. The one that I've been dealing with actually, it's it's somewhat related. Is 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 we're talking about um, both an on-premise scenario and a, a, a exchange online like a like a cloud scenario as well. And the one that I've been um, speaking of, to customers about and um, also Microsoft folks to make sure that our licensing reflects this, this literally this, this software plus services world that we were talking about from a licensing perspective. And what it was was um, this ability for you to have both of them going. And, and usually the context is it could be this failover that you were talking about. I think that that's very valid. The other example is I'm finding some customers will say, you know what, um, we need a lot of the on-premises uh features of of exchange because of sensitivity of data, like, let's say, the accounting department or whatever. They're never going to put that stuff online because they want to make sure that they have complete control over it. But they also saw, let's say, an opportunity where there was a whole group of, of workers that, Maybe don't have any email whatsoever at all, or or access to SharePoint, and the company wants to be able to make sure these people have an inbox, so you know the CEO can send out an email or can reference things, and and everyone can actually have have access to that. But you know maybe they don't want to actually add more infrastructure on premises, so they have this scenario where they have complete control over certain groups that are on premise, and then other people are are provisioned um, more in the cloud with with Exchange Online, and then there's some people that might actually move between the two right and and that's exactly what we're what we're solving with this software plus services strategy and i think it's a good point because we've kind of been talking more around the technical concepts but you also need the licensing model that that goes with that as well right
0: so what, what does the licensing model look like then
2: there's a, a concept of a, a user subscription uh, license, so you would be able to have a scenario where someone can access, um, like I said, the on-premise uh, scenario, and can also access uh, Exchange Online as well with this USL.
0: So, Rob, you mean you, you deal with a lot of partners that are doing a hosted servers today? There's a number of partners in Canada and the U.S., you know, across the world that are doing their own. Uh, exchange hosting mm-hmm. uh, SharePoint hosting white labeling that so a guy like me can actually put my logo and all that stuff on it is how do they feel about the the Microsoft entry into this is, are they embracing it or is there a bit of a concern there
1: well th- these guys have been doing this for a while um, and and they've you know in a lot of ways they were the visionaries back in the day um, who who originally sparked this and started moving this forward so you know, well, um, there's a little bit of um, um, sense of okay. Well, is Microsoft going to? How much of the market is Microsoft going to uh, going to take away, or how much of a market opportunity? Um, the bigger sentiment is um, uh, is is really excitement that that this is all moving forward. It really validates um, what they've always believed in and what they've invested, you know, a good part of their professional career in, in building out. So they're very, very excited about it, and they see it as, as driving more opportunity. I can tell you that there's, um, they've, they've seen an increase in the, in the number of, of uh, sales and the amount of traffic that they're getting uh, over the last six to eight months, um, and they attribute that to um, a, you know, many big companies like Microsoft who are launching these new services.
0: I mean, I look at Microsoft as, you know, creating the, you know, for a lot of things to do, creating a, the awareness in the marketplace for for guys like us to go and excel at what we do. And yep. I think the, in the hosting world, it's kind of the same concept.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, when you look at these services, something like hosted exchange, um, it, it, it just makes sense. It makes sense on so many different levels. But one of the challenges that we've had up until recently is that there are so many, IT professionals who are either just completely unaware that it even exists, or they're just not familiar enough with it to to know what the benefits are and, and how uh, they can take advantage of it. Um, and so, the more that Microsoft um, uh, builds out these services and, and moves our software plus services strategy forward, uh, the more awareness that that generates. And, and we'll see we'll see more and more um, IT pros start taking advantage of these.
0: So what tools, Rob, are available to, you know, the IT professionals out there, you know, owners of, you know, Microsoft Small Business Specialists, maybe a, the certified partners, registered partners, what tools are available to them uh, to, you know, they, they listen to uh, our talk here, they're inspired, they want to learn more about software plus services or hosted solutions. What tools, as a partner account manager, what tools are available to them that they can get on right away and start, uh, you know, start developing a practice around this? Well, if,
1: if, if they're interested in... Um in developing hosted solutions and selling hosted solutions, then, uh, then definitely they should, they should go to Microsoft.com forward slash hosting. And uh, there's a lot of great information there. It talks about some of our difference. Um, it talks about our licensing model, which is specific for, for partners so that they can build out that user subscription licensing model as well. Um, it, talks about, it provides some guidance on how you would deploy these services um, or our products in a what we call a multi-tenant environment and some of the different things that you need to be uh, thinking of when you deploy uh, products in a hosted environment. Um, so there's a lot of great material there. That's probably the, the number one resource. is just Microsoft.com forward slash hosting.
0: Okay. So, I mean, if I'm – Rob, you know, I'm here to put you on the hot seat here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a an FI and a VAR partner, and I really want to start uh, getting into hosting uh, and providing that service. So I, we, I went to hosting, you know, Microsoft.com slash hosting. I understand all that stuff. Uh, is there any other resources that we can can leverage to, you know, just get, you know, we're we're a goal partner, so let's say we want to do hosting tomorrow. Uh, what can we do next?
1: So the next step would be to um, uh, send an email to uh, bizserv at microsoft.com. That's B-I-Z-S-E-R-V at microsoft.com. Um, that's a Canadian alias to, to gather some more information about specifically about becoming a hosting uh, partner. Um and uh... you sign up for the the service provider licensing agreement and uh... you you can uh... you can start offering services pretty much right away
0: now there was one thing about licensing uh, that i was i'm aware of um, tell me tell me a little bit about the, the SPLA licensing and how that differs from regular open value open business type licensing sure.
1: yeah the SPLA is um... again SPLA with myself with all our acronyms service provider licensing agreement um, it, it's a licensing program that we've developed specifically for um, for partners who want to do deliver uh, hosted services um, allows them to, uh, to to pay for our um, our products on a monthly basis either per user or per processor um, and it, it aligns better to the way that they uh, they charge for their services so rather than having to go and acquire um, a large number of software assets up front um, we align it to to the way that your uh, your business is going to grow. Um, it's very flexible. you know you can uh, grow or shrink your your usage each month. Um, and there's most of the Microsoft products that are now available through uh, through SPLA.
0: and that's different from like the open value subscription that was released earlier this year
1: yeah the um, the SPLA is only for service providers specifically. So it, okay. it is not meant for an end customer. It's meant for partners who are looking at at selling our software uh, to end customers in a hosted manner or building their own solutions on top of our software.
0: Okay, perfect, perfect. So Ryan, uh, back over to you. You made that uh, announcement about uh, w- Windows Azure. Uh, let, tell us a little bit more about that. What's all that all about? Uh, you know, uh, I think you kind of touched it, touched on it, but can we dig a little deeper into what that is?
2: Yeah, sure. So a couple weeks ago, in Los Angeles, we had our, our Professional Developers Conference, or, or PDC. and that was one of the <clears throat> excuse me, that was one of the major uh, announcements um, was Windows Azure, or Azure, depending on, on who you talk to. <laughs> and really, we, we've been positioning it as, as a, a, an operating system for the cloud, or you can think of it as we really took the Windows platform to the cloud. And we now have an application model. So if you're if you're building solutions that spans you know the server, web, PC, and and your and your mobile devices. So again, really kind of bringing the software plus services strategy to light from a cloud perspective. So if we take a step back and go, well, what do you mean by by a cloud OS? Because it was interesting talking to people after the announcement, and when they think of cloud operating system, they're like, okay, does it have like a start button, or what do you mean by it's it's an operating system? And what they're really talking about is this notion of um, abstraction. So if you think about it today, um, what does a desktop operating system provide for you, right? And it's it's really it's abstraction. When you're when you're developing a, a website or you're developing a, an app on on top of the desktop, you don't have to worry about writing hardware device drivers. You don't have to worry about writing a file system driver. You don't have to worry about writing to a certain piece of of memory anymore. You just there's other uh, programs that are running on the operating system. That's okay. You don't have to worry about it. That gets taken care of, care of for you. There's stuff maybe you want to run in the background, um, like a service. So you know a lot of those concepts that that people are familiar with on the desktop. Um, you really need that in the in the in the cloud. So if you think about it, um, if you were going to um, run a a bunch of services, or again, my my example was you're going to be the next Facebook, let's say. Um, you might find you're in a similar scenario where, okay, I need to buy a lot of servers and I'm going to build at this data center and then I need to respond to hardware failures because a lot of people are not buying big, big, big machines like scale up. They're scaling out, right? Commodity hardware and they they want to um, account for, okay, these things are going to fail. Discs are going to fail, processors, fans, all that stuff. Then you got to think, okay, well, what if you actually do become the next Facebook or MySpace or whatever it happens to be, and you get in a ton of traffic, right? How do you manage that? How do you add storage capacity? Um, what if your service goes down, and can you actually trace that? It's hard to kind of debug in the cloud, right? And then once you've got all that figured out, then you might have security patches or operating system patches, and then you rev your service. And then how do you actually go and do that elegantly, like take some off and your, keep your service running. And then take it even further and say, okay, now you're a global uh, service. You want to offer this um, not just in Canada or the U.S., but, but globally. Okay, well, how do you scale that globally, and how do you be able to, let's say, specify that you need to have um, geo-redundancy of data, right? Maybe within the same country, or maybe you want to have redundancy between whatever, North America and, and Asia Pacific, right? So that's kind of the what ends up happening when you move into this cloud cloud world. And what we did with Windows Azure is, is uh, when we talk about this cloud OS, that's really what we're doing is we're offering at the very highest level this cloud OS. And taking a step further is it's compute, storage, and management provided for you um, in, in the cloud. And, and again, it it comes back to that fundamental issue of, yeah, Microsoft wants to to be able to enable you across all of our offerings to do things easily, so you can actually focus on, you know, the value you're trying to drive in, in your, you know, let's just call it your business logic, right? And we'll try to take care of, of abstracting a lot of the, the details away. And with Windows Azure, that's that's exactly what we're doing is you can go in... Write your your application, deploy that to the cloud, and then part of the configuration file. As a more tangible example, you can specify, uh, you know, how many instances you need. And if you find that through the monitoring, wow, you know, I'm, I really need to scale this out. I need to add another 20, 20 machines. You just change, you know, the eight to 20, and now you've got 20 machines. And that's this notion that I talked about right at the beginning of this. The, the infinite scale and, and the elasticity of of the cloud and then again having a a pricing model underneath that that also reflects this this that from a consumption perspective right so that's kind of a uh, what what the big announcement was at, at PDC around Windows Azure
0: so it's it's still something relatively new is, is it it's in concept still.
2: Yeah, that's actually thanks for bringing that up. That's a good point. So at the at the PDCs, that's usually where we're bringing we're meeting with the developer community and we're showing um, kind of what we've been up to and also um, uh, where we're, where we're heading over the next couple of years, right? So as, as a good example with Windows Azure is we release this in what's known as a as a community technology preview, or if you want the acronym, a, a CTP. And really, um, the what the Azure team was talking about was um, we want to share the CTP with you. Um, we're thinking it's going to be out sometime next year. We actually they didn't get more specific than that because their, their point was we wanted to have a, a CTP, then we'll look at moving this to a beta. But they really wanted to get a lot of feedback from the development community um, and start evolving, like, uh, another interesting aspect with those guys is um, they don't see it as you know these big bang releases. There will be an aspect of that, but they also want to continually rev the service, right, and bring more and more and more pieces online. Which is actually maybe um, kind of round two of this conversation would be. I talked about Windows Azure, which is again this cloud OS, um, and 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 the other thing that they talked about was some services that are sitting on on top of all of that, and what I mean by that is. Um, Azure is what's providing this um, cloud OS capability that abstracts away, you know, it'll take care of spinning up a bunch of machines for you and making sure that, you know, your storage is always there and it'll handle the failures elegantly for you. You don't have to worry about any of that. Um, And then sitting on top of Azure is they talked about a couple services. One was .NET services. Another one was SQL services. And the, uh, uh, additional, the third one was live services, and they're going to continue to keep adding here. And just to give you some context for this, is with .NET services, if you dug, dug into that and said, well, what, do you, what is that? What it is is access control, um, uh, service bus for, for exposing um, web services, and workflow. So imagine the scenario of, okay, I talked about the cloud OS and the things that it could provide what about you as a .NET developer, let's say, um, used to a uh, traditional experience with Microsoft, how are we addressing that in the cloud? And, and that's a great example is you could um, leverage storage in the cloud, you could leverage computation in the cloud, but you could also start developing with Visual Studio as an example and, and plug it into these .NET services, which would do the essential things for you like access control. So you know, pretty much every application or website needs to know who are you and what can you do, so... That's, that's the access control piece. The other one is um, you. maybe you're not even deploying a whole website. Maybe you actually just want to have a bunch of services uh, out, out in the cloud. And, and Rob gave a good example of this, right? Is He had an example of someone who's augmenting their existing solution, really adding a lot of services features to it. That might be a great way to do that is, is they leverage the cloud specifically for, for um doing that so that they don't have to worry about creating this massive infrastructure and management capability for the services, let Azure take care of that, and then also leverage .NET services, specifically the services bus, and maybe access control for um, how they'd actually program to that. And then the final piece was workflow, because a lot of these things, you might have a service that takes a, an incoming request, and then it needs to do a, you know a whole series of actions that have a bunch of different decision points on that, and that's Windows Workflow Foundation, if you're familiar with uh, .NET development. So they talked ab- about this .NET Services component. They also then talked about SQL Services, so data storage. They showed an early preview of business intelligence and analytics in the cloud, those types of things. And then finally, the Live Services was um, if you wanted to plug into, you know, Messenger API, like Windows Live Messenger APIs, or, or our contacts database with Windows Live, and, and so on, and uh, the Live Mesh also fitting in there as well. So. Two things. One was the operating system layer, and then they they started showing, here's the services that sit on top of this uh, Windows Azure Cloud OS.
0: So lots of great innovation coming uh, in the next uh, 12 to 24 months. A whole new realm of cloud innovation coming, which is great.
1: Yeah. Of course, are
0: actually seen it all coming out.
1: Yeah, and, and what I love about all that is um, so much of it is – is is. Uh, Leverageable by partners as uh, as a platform, like Ryan was saying. So,
2: exactly. you know, I've
1: got lots of partners who are very very excited about um, what else that will allow them to do. Because essentially, what it's doing is it's it's eliminating a lot of what has become almost just the grunt work of the development side. That they so they can now focus on um, the the cool solutions that they like to develop, right?
0: That's wonderful. So guys, we have got about uh, you know by the ten minutes left here. Ryan, uh, from your side, is there anything that we haven't addressed yet that we should be, you know, you know opening uh, opening up for the people that are listening today? Um, well, we didn't. We, we mentioned
2: it, but maybe maybe we want to talk a little a little bit about. Um, well, we talked about Microsoft Online, and then specifically we talked about Business Productivity Online Suite. We talked about Windows Azure and some of these, some of these cloud announcements. Um, maybe we should touch briefly on on uh, two other uh, elements kind of more on the software-as-a-service side. One was um, another big surprise announcement at PDC was uh, we demoed Office web applications for, for the first time. I don't know if you guys, uh, well, Rob has, but I don't know if, if you've seen that, Stuart. But um, that was a big one that um, talking to a lot of the, the people that were at PDC, that, that they were very excited about. And what, what this was was um, having a... Um, uh, version of Word and OneNote they did in the in the keynote and Excel in the in the cloud, so I can actually access these through a browser, What you can do with Office Live Workspace today, I should say, so if you go to officelive.com and sign into Workspace there, we actually give you the ability to store um, Office documents for free up in the cloud, and you can share those, and people can comment on them, and so on, but this was really um, going beyond that, and the demos that they were showing was actually having you know the Office ribbon that we have in Office 2007 was actually available through a web page, and they showed that it was actually using um, DHTML, so they were doing a demo in not only IE, but they're doing it in, in Firefox as well. And that got people really, really excited. And again, I think it's in that bucket of um, this PDC, we really showed um, the world how deeply we're investing in, in this services world, but then pulling it all together with this, with this software plus services strategy of, hey, we're, gonna, we're deeply investing in all three of these areas, um, and we're going to have this common platform across all of them. The last one um, that I mentioned we we did mention but we didn't really talk about it specifically was related to Office Live. I mentioned Office Live Workspace, but Stuart, you mentioned Office Live Small Business, and that's something that's now available in Canada as well. um, That is something that I think this this community would would really appreciate. So that's the ability for you to go, um, and you can sign up for Office Live Small Business, and there's a bunch of functionality that's just completely free, so you can register your your website, build a a professional website there um, very easily and really just get your small business online um as friction free as as possible
0: i mean i had i was lucky to uh be at the launch event in Toronto. oh and perfect I, I think we i think we got a couple maybe in a few weeks that and I are talking about having him on on board here to to talk about uh you know the o s b launch and you know, that would
2: be a great idea yeah. And a half
0: later. So i think we could, we're looking at it to maybe december early january rob right. one thing i mean i want to mention to you and uh and uh from a partner side are you hearing anything in the partner community around the whole compliance and regulatory, you know, when we got Pepita and we got Seasox? Uh, with the online world, are you seeing any anything coming back from the partner community around, you know, we can't do that because it can, you know, goes against Sox or Pepita or, you know, HIPAA in the U.S.? Is that well, a concern for us as partners?
1: Yeah, actually, um, partners um, and customers, for that matter, um, are, are looking more and more at some of the different hosted services that are out there because it's... it's um, they're finding that it's, there's so many different regulations. There's so many different things that they need to adhere to. It's much easier to to go with uh, a solution and a service by someone who has already invested the time and the energy to make sure that it's done right, and someone who focuses on that sort of thing every day. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's something as simple as um, you know exchange hosted services, uh, which isn't designed specifically to take care of, of SOX compliance, but is a major, major part of making sure that you've got uh, your, your archived messaging and, and everything is available for review at a later date. Um, we do have a lot of partners who, uh, uh, who are looking at leveraging hosted services that are specific for, for addressing those concerns. And it's a, you know, there are partners who have found a great opportunity there in a great little niche market that they can, uh, they can take advantage of.
0: From what I hear from the last 55 minutes or so that we've been chatting, guys, is there's some great new innovation coming. Microsoft definitely uh, stepped it up there with its whole cloud computing and the, and the innovation is coming with Azure and the, 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 the office and the cloud stuff coming uh, from the existing solutions. And from what I hear from Rob is there's some great uh, opportunities for partners to you – know, with a little bit of uh, uncomfortable change, I might add, because a few of us old guys have been in the business for a while, uh, have a have a hard time adopting some of these new technologies, but I think it's important that we start looking at it. And and, and you know immediate call to action, Rob, that I can see, you know, as minute of this calls, this program's done, if you're listening to it, you know, live or you download it on MP3, is, hey, go to the uh, the directory through Microsoft.com slash partner, Microsoft.ca slash partner, and start... Searching out some of these hosting providers and ISVs that are developing solutions in the cloud and start creating a relationship with them. And also leveraging uh, communities like the International Association of Microsoft Certified Partners, the IAMCP, uh, and finding out where all these uh, partners are hanging out and, and starting to learn more about the community. Any, any last things you want to add on that, Rob, before uh, we, we, we close up for today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um we actually just launched a um a new sub site within the Microsoft.ca um uh, small business um site. So if if uh if people who are listening go to Microsoft.ca forward slash SMB, you'll see a new um hosted services link on the uh, on the right hand side there under Microsoft products. And there's a lot of great information there on our uh on our partners uh, hosted services and, and the different um uh, different services that, that an SMB can get. Uh, and it's, a, it's got a good little growing community there of some of our, our featured um, uh, hosting partners in
0: Canada. Great. That's a yeah, good, good resource to go to. Ryan, anything, any last-minute comment from your side before we wrap up for today?
2: Yeah, I, I guess the other thing that I'd put out there as, as a resource, I guess, is if you wanted to dig into Software Plus Services a, a bit more, they actually just uh, rev the, uh, so, the Microsoft.com slash Software Plus Services uh, website, so uh, you can take a look at that. And the other one I was going to mention is um, Azure, so Windows Azure. If you want to dig more into that, they've got a pretty detailed site up there on azure.com, so www.azure.com, A-Z-U-R-E.com, and that'll have a bunch of materials that that, uh, you can dig in deeper based on some of the stuff I was talking about today.
0: Wonderful. Thanks, uh, gentlemen, for investing, you know, last hour of your your time to uh, come and talk with us today.
1: My pleasure. Well, thank you very much, Stuart.
0: And just a reminder of our upcoming programs, we're going to be, we're not going to be on next week. I will be uh, with my Heartland Technology Peer Group next week uh, in uh, Burbank, California, so we're going to skip next week uh, because of my travel schedule. Well, we'll be back on two weeks' time. We have a great panel uh, formed with some leading uh, small business specialists. Uh, we have Sean Fullerton from Phoenix area. We have Mark Crawl from Charlotte, North Carolina. Mike Ritzema, who was on a few weeks ago uh, from the Detroit area. We're going to be talking about... You know, navigating the stormy economic seas in the small business world, and how we, as partners, uh, what we need to do going into 2009. Because eh, it might be a bit of a rough ride here for a few of us. Uh, we got some great uh, ideas today from from these gentlemen about uh, you know what we could do from one way. And then uh, Arlen's going to be joining me in a couple weeks, so we're going to talk about some uh, different things on the personal side. So we're going to be on uh, not next week, but we got two two great shows booked uh, the 21st and the 28th of November. We'll be adding more and more shows. Visit our site at smallbusinessitradio.com. Feel free to uh, drop us an email at info at smallbusinessitradio.com. If you have any business ideas or any show ideas, anything you want to discuss, we're open for some great topics. We're online most Fridays. I guess next week we're going to take a miss, but most Fridays at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, that's noon uh, on the East Coast, 9 a.m. on the West Coast uh, on Small Business IT Radio. Thanks to my great friends at Microsoft. It's always uh, a pleasure to chat with you guys and keep, uh, keep our strong relationship going. For all my listeners and all those people listening to us today, thank you for taking the time. Uh, drop us some comments, drop us some feedback, and we'll look forward to uh, you know, publishing those, getting some more show ideas going on here, especially going to 2009. So this is Stuart Crawford in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, signing off for Small Business IT Radio today. Feel free to, again, visit our website, smallbusinessitradio.com.